Jabba's cousins arrive to claim his territory. The Tusken Raiders stop a train. Boba Fett is reborn and more as the Sky Guys are back to recap Chapter 2 of the Book of Boba Fett. All right, we are back here on the Sky Guys recapping the Book of Boba Fett, Chapter 2, The Tribes of Tatooine. And a big crowd here today, guys, going first up. The man whose voice you hear in the introduction every week, Pete Constantori. Pete, how are you? I feel like I saw you guys last week. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, great to be back. He's talking Star Wars. Usually this is like a monthly thing, but we've we've been doing it week to week with uh, Book of Boba Fett. So I'm excited to uh, be here with you and Nick and, of course, our, our uh, newest guest, Mike. So, um, yeah, excited to talk about Chapter 2. Yep. Next up, as always, we'll say he's the chieftain of the uh, Tuscan village here, Nick Frietta. Nick, how are you? Doing well. Um, I'll be completely honest. At first, I hated this episode. We're going to get into it, obviously, but I, I hated this episode when I watched it. I was like, I was appalled. <laughs> and here we are 10 hours later, and I liked it a lot. Yeah. Just when you think they're out, they pulled you back in. Yeah. they. Um, it, it, it grew on me, and, and I'm happy we don't record at 10 a.m. because then I would have I gave it a 1 out of 10. All right. Also with us today, our, spe- our special guest, we got some guests on during the season of Book of Boba Fett. He's a good friend of ours. He contributed a ranking to the Star Wars movie rankings. And welcome in, Mike Brescia. Mike, welcome first appearance on the podcast. How are you? I'm doing great, Mike. You know, it's great to uh, be here. And thank you very much for the nice introduction. You know, uh, I listen in uh, all the time. You know, I've been listening into this, you know, this, to the Sky Guys podcast uh, specifically now. It's, it's been great. So I'm very happy to join on board. And to discuss a little bit about some uh, live action Star Wars, you know, very exciting time. Yes, yeah, Mike. Don't forget that Mike. Or, or, so I'm going to call you. Um, <laughs> I'm going to call you Phillips for this episode. Is that yep. all right? Yep. So Phillips, don't forget to give Mike credit for being the bench coach of the Hitmen Championship softball team. Yes, he was a very important contributor to the uh, championship lineup there for the summer league. Very happy to be there and uh, you know show some support. You know, every time I went, we always won. So I like to attribute a little bit of that. Good luck to me. But, you know, I can't, I can't <laughs> say too much. <laughs> yeah. I'm also glad you brought up the Sky Guys podcast feed because in case people are not aware, it wasn't on the Just on the Suffering feed. So the Sky Guys are doing all the Star Wars stuff. So weekly coverage of Book of Boba Fett, any future Star Wars shows, Obi-Wan and or this year for sure. We went through all the animated stuff. And if you like the Star Wars stuff, subscribe to the Sky Guys. You'll get the episodes pretty quickly after the episode airs. So, example, Book of Boba Fett episodes drop on Wednesday, record on Wednesday night. You should have it in your feed some point on Thursday. If you're in this, just in the Suffering feed, you'll get it, but it's going to be a few days later. So if you want that right away, Pete, they should hop on the Sky Guys feed. I mean, got to get on that feed, right? You get immediate access. You don't have to wait. Um, unless you don't want spoilers and you haven't watched the show, maybe you should wait to watch the, the actual chapter before you listen to us. But yeah, <laughs> no, absolutely. Get on that feed. And, and get that premium access, right? Yeah, premium access for sure. And we're going to start out. You're going to dive into Chapter 2 of A Tribe of Tatooine, a much longer episode than the premiere, 52 minutes, including the credits. And, Mike, since we not talked to you last week, what do you think about the premiere of the Book of Boba Fett? You know what? I thought it was a good, uh, you know, I thought it was a pretty good introduction to Boba Fett. You know, I know, you know, he's a character that we've all grown to know and love. Um, you know, looking back at the original trilogy, you know, you, you get to see him, you know, he's only been in the, sh- you know, in, in the movies, you know, maybe a couple of minutes at most, but, you know, the, the way he's kind of impacted us, 
you know, has been great. And then of course, with his further involvement with, you know, with the, um, with the, with the other shows and everything, you know, building on his character, you know, it's great to finally have everything come back via live action. You know, a lot of people I know are excited about that. So am I. Yeah, I know, Nick, you made this point on the podcast before. You said you think that Boba Fett is the most impactful character in the history of Star Wars. And I think you have a strong case to make on that. I did. I said, well, I was a little wrong because we watched the holiday special and I was wrong. But I said that he was just a cool guy in a costume and it led to an entire race of people, the Mandalorians, an entire show, the Mandalorian, and, and multiple arcs within the shows we've watched in the past, like Clone Wars and Rebels. But I was wrong because I said that he had had a name and I didn't realize he was named. In the, in the holiday special, so he was named. I thought he wasn't named until um, Return of the Jedi when Han Solo said his name, but that's, that is not true. Yeah, and P, aren't you glad we got the information from the holiday special? No. <laughs> I, I'm not at all. It's okay, we don't have to watch it again. Please, I don't ever want to. Yeah, let's get into this episode specifically. We'll start out here with, we build on where we started in chapter one, where you get the aftermath of the attack on Boba Fett in the square in Mos Espa, and Fennec has captured one of the assassins, and he's from the group called the Nightwind. And Mike, in terms of name here, figure like good branding, guys. That good branding for an assassin group being Ninth Wind, Nightwind. The Nightwind, yes, it's you know it's, it's very very uh, you know mysterious, right? It's you yeah. know it, it's shady, you know there's a, just just a lot going on there. You know I think it's a great name for you know for a group of assassins. You know, it's like the night when you don't see it come through, but it comes through hard, right? So yeah. that's, you know, definitely a great name for, uh, you know, for them. Yeah, and Pete, we can start off here with the assassin here where Fennec brings him in and you have this whole situation where like, oh, who sent you? And the droid, I forget the droid's name, he just says, you can't get him to talk. And then Fennec has this great pull and said, hey, if you're not going to talk to us, talk to the Rancor and draft him in. He squeals pretty easily. Yeah, I mean, it was it was expected on my end. Um, I don't know, Mike and uh, Nick, how you felt about it, but I, I feel like something along those lines were going to happen. Just typical uh, prisoner situation in most movies, and especially Star Wars. Like, well, if you don't want to talk to me, you can talk to the monster. Um, I was hoping the Rancor showed up, like if they had one randomly. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I he squealed pretty quickly, and I think we all kind of saw it coming that the he was hired by the mayor or maybe someone in the mayor's office, quote unquote, if you will. Um, you know, we'll talk about it a little bit more in depth. The current timeline to me is just not significant enough to care that much for me, but we'll talk about it more later. Yeah. And Nick, did, were you at all confused in there when I did like, wait a minute, did they actually get a rancor off screen or did you buy this figure out it was a ruse the whole right away? Um, well, if you remember, Bib Fortuna got a rancor in the bad batch. Yes. So I was expecting to see that Rancor show up, but it didn't. So it led me to believe either something happened or they forgot. I don't think they forgot considering Filoni was involved in both shows and he was literally like a year ago. So I don't think he forgot, but I was expecting that Rancor to show up and it didn't. So it leads me to believe, I guess something happened in the, well, it was a long time ago, Bad Batch, it's about 25 years ago at this point. Yeah, about 25 years. So it's possible that it died 24 years ago. So you can't really think that it's they forgot about it, but yeah, it was a little. I, I expected to see something down there, but I understand the idea behind it. Like get it down, you know, go down there, and it's fear that something's going to happen. But then Boba's not actually going to do anything because that's his style of ruling. 
and I also noticed there was a rock down there, a loose rock, and I think that was the lock that the rock that Luke threw in Empire Strikes. Uh, you know the one, the land of that Return of the Jedi. Yeah, and Mike, you, did you expect we get the callback to Luke's rock in this episode? Yeah, Luke's rock. I I love it. Um, you know, it, it's definitely a great uh, callback. But just wanted to start off right away when you had the prisoner when he said Ichuta, right? I immediately thought about um, Empire Strikes Back, right? How rude. Yeah, exactly. Right. When three people go, how rude. So that must be some kind of disrespect in, in uh, some language. Right. I would assume Hutties or something like that. Um, but I was actually talking with Nick earlier about the Rancor. And I feel like there's, you know, there's two different uh, perspectives, you know, when, when we you know, had a little talk, you know, not having the Rancor down there, you know, it, it kind of appeased um, older fans who may not have seen the Bad Batch. Right. Because they understand that, you know, Jabba's Rancor died. Right. You know, he was killed you know, by Luke. But, you know, at the same time, you know, because there's been a, uh, you know, a time discrepancy between the Bad Batch and, you know, and now, you know, in the current situation, you know, it, Star Wars kind of lets you to imply of what happened. Like maybe, you know, Bib, Bib's uh, Rancor was killed off or maybe uh, Bulba, you know, let it escape or, or what the reason may be. So they don't really touch up on that. But I thought it was interesting. Yeah, I think it was interesting. And P, I think we can skip ahead now. We'll go to now. They bring the night, the Nightwind Assassin to meet the mayor, and we get to the main desk there. And I don't know what this receptionist guy was thinking, but you see two assassins coming with guns and a prisoner tied up. Like, what makes you think that you're gonna get away with? Oh, he's not the mayor's not in now. Oh, sure, I'll come back later. Like, what part of him actually thought that would work? I feel like that was maybe more of the comic relief part of the episode. <laughs> right. I mean, he just you got Boba Fett and Fennec walking in and they go, Oh yeah. Like you're not on the, you're not on the, the list. Like uh, you yeah. don't have an appointment. Yeah. I, uh, it was nice. It was look, it was, it was a nice little kind of like comic break. Like, Oh, you know, haha, like it's some guy trying to protect the mayor's office. And, and, you know, maybe he knows that some people walk in all the time trying to get in there. Um, but I, I find that mayor's office scene very interesting. Um, I feel like the mayor may be playing both sides. Obviously, we'll need to watch the rest of the, the season to figure that out. But it, it seemed to me that maybe the messenger of the mayor is the problem and not the mayor, judging from what happened this episode. But it also might be the mayor playing two sides, like I said. Yeah, and Nick, we do meet the mayor because Bo basically forced his way in past the major, major domo. And you're we did talk about this last week that the long neck guy we saw in the trailer, the authorian, is the mayor. And we have a scene where he basically kills the bounty hunter and says, you know, like we don't associate criminals here. Thank you for finding him. Here's your reward. And Boba's like, Hey, I'm not a bounty hunter. I'm the true inheritor to the Jabba's throne here. And I'm the inspector here. So what do you think of the interaction between the mayor and Boba Fett? Um, I think it just shows us, I mean, it's really my opinion. It really shows for sure, but it shows us that lady Garza, yeah. Jennifer Beale's character, the mayor, they're all working for the huts. Not yeah. working for the huts, but they're all with the huts. in cahoots. Yeah. And they're all in cahoots with the huts. They're all in it together because the huts give them, I guess, more protection than than Boba would. I think that shows that, and that's what and and they had their different ways of showing it to Boba in the first episode. And in the the first episode, I'll just I'll just kind of call her Jennifer Beals. Jennifer Beals paid off Boba Fett. It was easier. For them, that was their mindset, and the mayor's mindset was to intimidate him. But I think they're all working with the huts, and that's their idea. And you notice, like, you know, he says to her, You're sweating, what's going on? This and that. she's nervous about it. She knows she knows he's on things. 
she knows that he's on to them kind of thing. And I think that, yeah, I think that's going to be your ending of the show there when you see the three of them, the mayor, that is, the um, Jennifer Beals and the Huts, and of course, whoever the Huts have with them, which we'll get into in a second, all versus Boba Fett and whoever he recruits along the way, which I think will be some familiar faces. Yeah, and Mike, what do you think about the the voice for the Authorian here? I mean, Robert Rodriguez voices him through that Universal Translator thing. I was that voice kind of threw me off for most of that scene. Yeah, I thought it was rather odd, but you know, I, I do appreciate the fact that you know, because it's an alien species, you know, it doesn't speak you know English, you know, that a, tr- a proper translator is needed, you know. Um, and also on top of that, I, I know the mayor, uh, Mark Shaiz, right? That's what his yep. name is. Um, you know, I remember seeing, you know, a certain species like that in, uh, you know, Tatooine in uh, New Hope, probably in the bar scene. So I think to myself, could, could maybe that could have been him, you know, prior to, um, into the events that happened, uh, you know, in current day. Yeah. Pete, what do you think about that theory there where maybe this guy who was, you know, he's drinking his, drinking his heart away in, in the cantina in the New Hope. He decided, you know, I'm going to get into politics. And now about nine years later, he's the mayor of a town. So good job if that's the, that's the same guy. Yeah, I was going to say that's a huge callback. And that's also just a, a huge character development moment for the show. Um, I can't see it being that far fetched. Right. I mean, Star Wars is, is all about, you know, revenge and and what's happened in the past. And, and this is how it is now. And uh, I can I can absolutely see them taking characters that were that were just characters you didn't even notice were there, right? Uh, obviously, Mike made that connection. Um, I would have never made that connection because I, I just, I guess I don't pay attention that well. Uh, but it it would be very cool if, if something along those lines come through the season where they start explaining that, you know, this person was in uh, the past movies and and now they want their their own piece of the, of the franchise, if you will. Yeah, Nick, what do you got that? It's, it's, it's not him, but it's a good. I, I, I looked up the guy, and it's that's what's so crazy about Star Wars. It's like this this guy who was in the bar in A New Hope has a name, a backstory, a height. He's one point nine five meters. He's a male. I mean, how, how tall is figure, the mayor? How tall is the mayor? Yeah, we need we need this. <laughs> I don't. I hope they have it. Well, I hope they have it. They got, I don't, they got the height on the random dude from he is. The mayor is, I don't, I don't have it yet, but, oh. but this guy has a whole backstory. He was involved in a lot of non-canon things, but even in canon stuff, he's in a lot of stuff. It's like crazy to think. And then it said basically that he joined the rebellion and fought against the empire. But it was interesting that the guy was in what four seconds of screen time and he has an entire backstory. Yeah, it was sort of like Mike. I don't know, sort of feel like some of these shows where you have this sorry, all the small town Manhattan where everybody seems everybody in Manhattan seems to pop up and they're all in everybody's business all the time. So it's, maybe it's small town t- cantina in Star Wars, or all the cantina folks are in every single p- other person's business in the rest of the galaxy. Yeah, no, it's incredible. You know, I, I love that feature too. It's just all these random characters that show up, as little as they might be. You know, they could always pop back. You know, and, and that's the beauty of the Star Wars universe. It's just, you know, creating that expansion and, you know, creating that, you know, those additional stories and bringing it all together. It's amazing. Yeah, it is. And let's go ahead a little bit because the mayor basically says, hey, you should go visit your friend, uh, Madame Garza. They go back there. Then she basically says, you don't hear who's here. We go outside and we see two huts being carried on a thing by those poor workers who basically they're about to cave up or have to carry about like, Two, like three, four tons of hut along the streets of Tatooine. And we find out that they are Jabba the Hutt's cousins. 
they're here to reclaim the throne. And Pete, I laughed so hard when Bofet was like, I don't care what's on your tablet. I'm in charge. Yeah, I, I got really scared that they were going to be related to Zero. I got really scared. <laughs> I didn't want to have any more Zero the Hut references. I didn't want to hear that guy's name anymore. You know, I, it's expected that Boba Fett's going to say, listen, I'm in charge. He's not a um, weak-willed, if you will, character. Uh, obviously, he's been a little underwhelming in the current um, timeline of the show, in my opinion, but he's not like... He's still considered a badass, so I, I I honestly saw it coming a little bit that he was going to say, like, no, you got to leave. Um, and I also kind of saw the Hutt saying, like, we could deal with this later. We're not going to do it right now. Um, and I think that sets up for, for later episodes. Yeah, Nick, like, when you saw these two Hutt show up and they said they're related to Jabba, like, did you go where Pete and I went and said, oh, no, we're going to have zero reference in some way that maybe these are zeros, like, secret children or something like that? I thought it was going to be Jabba's son. Because he was in the, um, Clone Wars well, he was in the Zero movie, yeah, that awful thing. He was in that too, but they didn't, you know. I thought it would be him, but I, I mean, if there's two of them, and I can make another one up anyway, so what's the point? And there's no reason. I don't know. To me, it kind of seems weird and annoying when you like know a character for like 40 years, like we've known Jabba literally for 39 years, and then they're just like, here's his brother. I know it was cousin in this case, but like it's just like kind of annoying to me. Like, oh, he had a brother after all this time. We had no idea. Like, what if we just found out Han Solo had a brother? It'd be kind of weird, you know? Yeah. I also th- for, for reference, Jabba weighs two thousand nine hundred and ninety-four pounds. Yeah, so I, I would assume these guys were a little less, but not much. Maybe twenty five hundred each. Yes, yeah, so, so again, a couple tons. Yeah, that's about two and a half tons they were carrying. And they only had what, ten guys? It's like about maybe 80, 15, 15 guys. Yeah, 15 guys. It's a, lot of, it's a lot of weight. It's like 200 pounds a person. Yeah, you saw them buckling at the end there, Mike. Like, they were just standing there like, can we just go somewhere and like not have to stand here with these guys? So I also noticed something that I don't know if I want to bring it up yet, but I'm afraid if I don't bring it up, I'll forget. So I'm going to bring it up anyway. The species that Bosk is, I don't know how to pronounce it. The Trandoshans? Gonna, yeah, one of them was carrying Java, and that's considered wrong. Yeah. in the universe of Star Wars because they're considered a high class of people. So for him to be doing that means that it shows you how much higher of class the Huts are than anyone. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they're not even in power and people are fearing them when they're in the streets and they have people wor- worshiping them and they're carrying them. They don't even, they're not even in power. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And Mike, I want to throw an interesting question your way here because we heard a little aside between Boba and Fennec where like, I think Fennec was something, something like, like, hey, why don't you just like kill them and just be, get this over with? And when Angler threatened, and Bose is saying, oh, you need permission to kill the Huts. And like, what do you think that, do you have any ex, any sort of theory on why that's the case? Sure. So I think this references to the mafia, the way it works, right? Yeah. You have the, the commission, right? That could be maybe the crime syndicates. That could be, you know, the whole order, you know, of representatives coming together. Basically, I think, you know, it kind of parallels that uh, issue where, you know, in order to kill um, a high ranking member of another clan, you have to go to this commission, you know, to this group of leaders, you know, collectively in order to you know get permission to do so. So I think, you know, I, it might go more along those lines. Um, just real quick, I wanted to mention, I thought it was hilarious when you saw both of the huts up there and uh, I guess that the male cousin had some kind of rodent or something like that. Yep. And, you know, while sweating in the, in the desert sun, he was literally just dabbing his face with that poor animal. 
that that killed me. <laughs> and you could see the look of despair in that animal's face. It was great. It was amazing. It's some great unintentional humor in there. And Pete, I want to mention also, we get a clear shot of their higher gun bounty hunter. His name is Black Kersantin, the Black Wookiee. So do you did you were you aware that he actually comes from Canon and he actually is referenced other Star Wars material? So I was talking to a friend of mine and he said, and I could be wrong again. Um, he said that this is a particular character that had got involved in a fight with Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, and that's where I think he has a scar on his face came from. So we may see him in the Obi-Wan Kenobi show. I don't know if that information is correct. Um, I think that's a pretty cool character to build off of. I think that's a character that could be in this show for seasons to come. Um, I wouldn't go as far as saying that it's going to be the main villain of every single season, but I can see almost like him becoming an agent callous of sorts, not the caliber of character, but he's working for the wrong people, quote unquote. And then maybe, maybe later on the seasons, you know, in the show, he starts working with Boba. So I think that's a pretty big character and, and keep your eyes out for that character, in my opinion. Yeah, and Nick, that's a great point. I did look up on the Star Wars wiki while we were going here mm -hmm. about, about, about this character, Black Kersantan, and the incident that Pete references where he was hired by Java to kill uh, Obi-Wan or something like that. That happens in 10 BBYs, which is, again, about the time frame the Obi-Wan show is supposed to take place in, so you could see this guy again. Well, do you think they would... My thought is no. Do you think they would take something that's already been published in comics or a book or something else and bring it to the screen. The, I think the only time that I've heard of that they've ever done that is when they show you um, in the opening scene of Bad Batch, uh, what's his name? Kanan's uh, master dying. It's the only time they've ever done something like that. I don't, I don't think they would do that because it's already been published. Yeah, I could see that though, Mike. It's sort of like a maybe a, a two minute flashback scene to like maybe oh, yeah, encountering yeah, it before, but that. not like yeah. not like go through the whole thing, but sort of like oh, like I've seen it before and have like a flashback to that kind of. So, yeah, I can see that definitely. Now, to my understanding, he is—I'm going to call him Black K. I think it's easier. Yep. Um, that's also considered one of his nicknames, so that's fine. I, Black K, they say, is significantly stronger and better at bounty hunting and more powerful than Boba Fett, like significantly. So, in my mind, the next couple of episodes, especially because he needs to seek permission from other families, if you will, like if we're going to take just like like the Godfather in a way. If he needs to seek permission from other families, he's going to recruit along the way and get people with, on his cause to take down the Huts and Black K. And he, I don't think he can beat Black K one on one in combat. And he's going to require help. And I think the help he's going to get, I mentioned the species earlier, I think he's going to get Bosk. Yeah. To help him. They're going to fight him together. Yeah. And Mike, I do think I'm curious to see what more get out of this character because I hope this is not going down the route of original Boba Fett. Captain Phasma, we're like, oh, he looks cool, and then he's lame because they don't do anything with him. I hope we actually get some development with this guy. I hope so too. You know, when I was watching, and I see this this badass Wookiee coming out, right? It was it was incredible to see. You know, it, I was like, wow. You know, I was taken back, kind of like Predator. You know, just just a badass looking. You know, almost like Chewbacca on steroids at that point, but um. You know, what I thought, uh, yeah, I, I think, he, you know, a very cool character. I would love to see him, um, you know, in, in more, you know, more content. The only thing is going to be, I think, the language barrier, right? You know, we're kind of seeing with the Tuscan Raiders how they're not, you know, they're not speaking English. And, you know, there's a lot of like, you know, one way dialogue. So, 
you know, if, if we see more of him, you know, at least to my perception of it, right? My, my initial perception. I don't know if he's able to speak English or whatnot. So, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see him interact, you know, as we go further on. All right. So this basically wraps up the present day storyline because we're going to end up in May where Boba Fett goes and takes a nap for the rest of the episode. And we go have dreams about his flashbacks. But before we get there, I want to sort of put in here the theory here because we still don't know exactly who put the hit out on Boba Fett because now I think we've got three candidates. Clearly, we have the mayor, we have Lady Garza, and we have the Hut twins who said they didn't want to do it now, but I could easily see them sort of like sending this team out in advance to take care to the dirty work. So, Pete, pick like pick your fighter. Who put the hit out? I'm gonna add a fourth one to the ring, and I'm gonna say the the. I don't know what you would call it, but the assistant to the mayor. Oh, the major, the major domo. I, I, I think he might be in cahoots with someone. Like maybe the Jabba's themselves. I, I, you know, the Huts. Excuse me. I don't, I don't know, but I, I have a feeling that the the mayor knows what's going on. But I feel like maybe he's calling the shots a little bit when it comes to that. So I'm going to throw that name into the ring. Okay, uh, Nick, who are you putting your chip on? All of them. Conspiracy. I think the I think Java. He said said Java because Pete did the Java's Huts, cousins. The Huts are technically the ones who are putting the hit, but they made Jennifer Beals' character do it. So I think she did it as of their wish. Yeah, and the mayor's tied into this because yeah, and the mayor's tied into it because they're all part of the same thing, and they feel that the way that the Huts rule with the fear is better for business for them. Yeah. And I will also point out the show right now, the cat is calling them the twins. So that's the, that's we can call them the twins, say ourselves a shorthand for Java's cousins. All right. Yes, they're the twins. All right. And Mike, who are you putting your chip on? Yeah, it's a good question. And, you know, everyone has valid points here. You know, I like what I'm hearing. But, you know, I think maybe Madame Garza, because, um, you know, after all, she did pay um, Boba and Fennec, right? You know, she actually did issue out, you know, um, money, um, just to show his tribute. So because of that, you know, I, I feel like maybe she's trying to buy in favor, but, you know, kind of killing with them with kindness in that respect. But then, you know, they're, they're going, you know, she's going to maybe backstab them, you know, at some point later on. So I, I think there could be some kind of, um, you know, some, some false hope there and, and that, you know, she might, you know, go back on her word. I'm just, I'm still putting my chip on the mayor. I still think that's the way he interacted with them. Like he was way too cocky, sort of like, they like, oh, I have all the power. You can't do anything to me. So even though I tried to kill you, you know, I'll just brush it off, give you your tribute, and then you go away, and then we worry about it later. So I, I'm still putting my chip on the mayor, Pete. Something to add is um, she, uh, Jennifer Beals pays them off, and then they get attacked right outside. Let's say the hit's successful and it was her. She can just walk outside and get her money. Yeah. Like, she go out there. She has a helmet full of money. Let's say there's $100 in there. I'm sure it's more. The hit cost 30. Here's 30. Here's my 70. Okay, bye. Yep. Done. Yep. So I, I'm not fooled at all by her paying the loss. All right. So we'll put a pin in that one. And now we're going to go back to the past. We spend the rest of the episode in the flashback here. And we spent a lot of time, Pete, seeing uh, Boa Fett become immersed in the culture of the Tusken Raiders after he wins their favor by killing the creature and saving the kids. So what do you think about that whole choice here? See, see how Boa ingratiates himself with them. It's a ton of time in that episode. Um, I would, I would about two thirds. I would, yeah, I was about to say the two thirds or seventy five percent of that episode was that flashback. Um, I'm okay with it. I'm not necessarily 
overwhelmed with excitement about it, but I am, I'm okay with it. I think that seeing what happened to Boba Fett between the current timeline and back when we saw him in the last Star Wars movie of the, of the originals, I think that's great. I don't know where they're going with it as far as flashback wise. I can see how it could tie into the timeline. Like maybe Tuscan Raiders help Boba Fett toward the end of the season or something like that. So you, you build that bond in the beginning and then toward the end, they come back. Like I said, I'm fine with it. You know, they have a pretty cool scene with the train. Um, I thought that was a cool, well done scene. Little cookie cutter for me too. Just you know, oh, I'm going to train people in in how to ride the the speeder, and I'm going to they're going to train me how to fight. We're going to work together, and um, still very nice to see. Again, not trying to bash it, but it was just kind of you know, eh, for me. Yeah, I did like Nick. We start obviously we see him training to use the gaffy stick, and he's being taught the right way. And then as he's learning, the the camp gets attacked by the bullet train with all the gangsters on it who are just shooting to kill these guys, and then. He says, you know what, I'm going out tonight. I got an idea. He goes, he walks to a dive bar. He kills a gang of, of, of uh, I forget what the species is, but he kills all of them with just a gaffy stick and a gun. Drinks, like, walks in, takes care of takes business. A drink and takes a drink and leaves with four speeders. So that's a hell of an impressive fight. Well, Mike, if you didn't know, that's no dive bar. That is the world famous, galaxy famous Tashi, Tashi Station mentioned by Luke in episode four and those random people in there were not random people. Those are Luke's friends from childhood that were in a deleted scene in episode four. They got actors who look exactly like them. The girl is that was actually Luke's childhood crush. And apparently in the novelization of the last Jedi, Luke, I didn't, I say apparently cause I didn't read it or the novelization of the last Jedi, Luke fantasizes about what life would be like if he had never left with Obi-Wan and he thinks he would have married her. So that was not just a random two people in there that we're going to see more. We're not going to see them again. Cause you know, that was just a little cameo. When that was tossed you Jason, that was, they took the interior. If you watched the deleted scene, you can find it on YouTube. It's the exact same interior that it was in 1977. So that was a nice callback there, but it doesn't answer your question. And to answer your question, they were, it was really cool to see him kick ass again, because we hadn't seen that yet. And that was something that we were like, you know, in Mandalorian, which we're led to believe is a few weeks before this, maybe even a few days, I would say a few weeks before this, he was kicking ass left and right. And now he seems like he's getting beat up all the time. So, uh, I, I mean, you didn't see what I'm saying. I know that was um, later on, the Mandalorian's after this in the timeline, but even in the present day, he's getting beat up. And just the whole time I'm watching the show, I'm like, why is he getting beat up all the time? Because he was kicking ass in Mandalorian. And it's nice to see him, you know, deal it. Yeah, Mike. Give me a grade here on Boa Fett's fighting skills in the bar. Oh, great on his fighting skills? Yeah. I think it was I think it was fantastic. I mean, you know, he he kicked ass and took names, right? You know, I I thought he was amazing. I, you know, I guess uh I don't know. I mean, you know, maybe an eight out of ten, maybe. I don't know. You know, I, I think he did a great job. The the gun that he had, you know, he he was getting a little too aggressive with that. It wound up breaking on him, and he had to revert to the gaffy stick. So he was, you know, he was whooping ass. You know, which was awesome. But one thing I noticed, which is kind of funny in the scene, you know, when he arrived at Tashi Station, um, I, I think one of the, uh, the the bikers, as I call them, that one of them was playing an arcade game like Galaga. I think that could have been a power converter, yeah. but it reminded me of him being in an actual arcade, you know, playing one of those classic games. So I, I thought that was kind of cool to see. 
Pete, was it a missed opportunity that we didn't have a biker voice by Christian Slater? No. <laughs> I see where you're getting at. I don't... I, I I think if Christian Slater's voice came out of one of those characters, I just it wouldn't fit. I just don't <laughs> think it would fit at all. Yeah. If it was a Lego character, like it was in the in the the movie that we're referencing, I would say, or the short, I should say, we're referencing short. But uh, yeah, that that probably just be too funny. Yeah, Nick, what would be the best way to get, get Christian Slater in the live action Star Wars? Uh, I I don't I don't see the point. <laughs> I don't know. And I never, I never thought about that at eight at nine forty p.m. on January fifth. The first time I ever thought of that. But I have a question for the table here: is is um, do you think? And I don't know the answer to this. I'm asking to see if like you guys have an answer for me because I don't know that much about like character development and what's considered good. Like sometimes people say, "Oh, it was great," and other people say it sucked at the same time. So I don't know. Do you think Boba not knowing how to fight with the stick, learning how to fight? immediately going to the bar and using the skills that he learned. Is that good character development or is it rushed? Shouldn't that have happened two episodes from now? Or is that a good thing? I don't know. It's tough to judge because I feel like you don't see like exactly how long he was practicing before the bullet train comes and wipe and kills a bunch of Tuscan. So like right. you could have practiced, time gap there. You could, you could have practiced three more weeks and then it happened to be very good at it by the time the, the train shows up, he goes out to get revenge. I know. I also want to add to it. When I think of character development, I don't think of skill. I think of way of thinking and how that character progresses in, in their decisions. Yeah. Um, it's it's hard because you can have a movie. I, I don't know. Let's throw the karate kid out there, right? He goes from not knowing karate in two hours. Now he's like competing, right? It, I, I feel like with skills, it's very difficult in in the in Hollywood and in motion pictures and 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 uh, in that whole department, it's hard to actually show how much time goes into a skill to learn it. I think when we think of character development, we should be thinking of did that character learn something to sway his or her decisions and how they progress in their own values. So in this particular instance, I don't know if it's character development. It is a bit rushed, but it's also like, well, we only got like, what, five more episodes, four more episodes. We can't just keep sitting there waiting to see him train using a gaffy stick. Yeah. And Mike, I want to go to you for a second also, because I, I, I'm going to put a pin the character development thing here in terms of like the training thing. I think the way Pete talked about, it, I think the way we do that is you get the montages of like, oh, like here's them practicing several times and slowly getting better. We did get that where Bolo brings the speeders back to the Tuscan camp and then we first see them trying to destroy us. We were like, no, 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 wait, wait. Like these are like, we're going to use these. And then I thought the training season of him teaching them how to ride the speeders and jump from speeder to speeder was so, was so funny. Yeah, I, I thought so too. Um, you know, especially at the beginning when he was going like a panta, like a panta. <laughs> I thought that was great. That's going to be the next uh, dance craze, right? Yeah. Teach me how to dug you then like a panta. Yeah. But um, no, but you know, I, I thought it was you know definitely great to see the montage and, and you know, you know, it, it's quick, but you know, showing the progression of, teaching you know the tuscan raiders how to ride um the speeders but then going back to nick's question about you know being able to fight you know right away in tashi station you know he wasn't fighting other tuscan raiders he was fighting just you know he was fighting another species at that point so i think you can't really uh grade you know in terms of that kind of development as nick was trying to go through um you know until you actually see him fighting well against other tuscan raiders 
Yeah, you know, he could have. Yeah, he, he could have been, you know, swinging that gaffy stick, you know, against regular people. But that, you know, you, you could normally do that. It's seeing how the opposite person will reflect that and to, to uh, determine skill level. Yeah, Nick, I'll add two things onto that point that he made here. Number one, we have to also remember that Boa Fett's a clone and that he has like enhanced genetic ability to like do things. So he probably learned that skill quicker than we thought he would. And number An two, altered clone. An altered clone, but he did have all Django's skills. So Django was a quick study yeah. on a lot of things. And number two, these those guys are probably drunk as hell. So he probably had a huge advantage fighting them. Probably if the cantina there, Tashi Station, was anything like the cantina in Galaxy's Edge, I don't blame them. Those drinks are delicious. <laughs> delicious. Yeah. But um, I enjoyed the little driver's ed scene yeah. too. That was fun. I, I didn't expect to see Boba Fett um, teaching driver's ed to Tuscan Raiders when you told me the book of Boba Fett was coming out in December. Yeah. Pete, I feel but like... It was exciting. Pete, I feel like the the, the gif of Boa Fett like going like, drive, like drive, drive, reverse. That's got to be the next gif coming out of Star Wars. I'm sure it already is. <laughs> uh, you you think that someone hasn't done that, right? I'm sure I could go on a gif website right now and find it. Yeah. I, I it's gonna it's gonna blow up. Yeah, this is gonna be the the first thing. Sort of like like Grogu drinking the soup in Mandalorian. This is gonna be the next one. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I want to talk about the bullet train sequence before we get there. Yeah, I found it already. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and before we get get deeper into it, Mike, now we figure out where Elon Musk is in the Star Wars universe. He's building bullet trains for gangsters. <laughs> is that what's going on? There? Yeah, yeah. I, I got to say, you know that that train scene. You know, even though you know we've already seen a couple of them in Star Wars, you know, it does hit close to home. When I see those train scenes, it reminds me of the Ord Mantell mission in uh, the Shadows of the Empire on N sixty four. Great Star Wars game. And, um, you know, just, just seeing that, that much action. Yeah. It's, you know, it's kind of been repeated, but, you know, just to see, you know, uh, you know, our heroes, you know, kind of take over, you know, I, I think that was a great scene, um, you know, in terms of everything that little droid who's a conductor, he, he, he ticks me off because, <laughs> you know, he just, he just bounces. And then, you know, we don't know anything about him. You know, he just darts off. So I'm sure we'll probably see him at some point too, or maybe not. You know, he could have been just hired by, you know, by uh, by the clan to, you know, to help you know, by the bike. So, you know, we'll see. Yeah, Nick, I think the entire, I think three quarters of the budget of this episode went into the bullet train, the bullet train fight. I think they spent it well. The fight was actually very well done. It was a good fight. I was, I see, one thing that got on my nerves, though, at one point, one of the Tuscan Raiders got onto the train and he was taking names. <laughs> he was going, got, so why was that not Boba Fett? Isn't that why we're here to see him take names? And he doesn't take, he's not taking names. But I have another question for you guys. And I don't know the answer to that because I don't know this much about like filmmaking and this and that. I'm watching all these reviews of the episode, you know, studying up for our talk tonight. And someone goes, This is a great scene. It, it, it completely parallels. I didn't see the movie, but The Last Samurai, how they have them prisoner at the end. In my mind, I could be wrong. Isn't par- like isn't that a bad thing that you're just like if you're parallel like isn't that a bad thing because it's not original? It depends on to me. I feel like if you're make, paying homage to it and putting enough of a spin on it, I think it's fine. I think you're really just ripping it like shot for shot. That's when you have the problem. Would you agree with that, Pete? Okay, I, I agree. I mean, we saw something like that already in episode one when I made the comment about the Iron Man scene. Yeah. When- that's sitting there and the droids are putting on his armor, literally standing in the exact same pose that Tony Stark does when his armor is going on. Obviously, Tony Stark's armor a lot more intricate, but like it was the same thing. I 
some people don't mind it. Some people absolutely hate it. I'm like in the middle. I'm like, okay, we've seen this. Like you couldn't have come up with an original idea or just have him put his own armor on. Right. I mean, some people watch, you know, episode nine of star Wars and think it's the greatest star Wars film. Don't agree with it, but some people have that, that mentality. So it depends on the viewer. Yeah. Our list did not agree. Our list did not agree. Episode nine. No, it did not agree. And Pete, what was your general take on the uh, bullet train fight? I think it was really good. Um, I'm not terribly pissed off that the Tuscan Raider did a lot of work on that train. Um, especially if the Tuscan Raiders are going to be a big part of the season, you want to kind of show that they're capable of, of showing Boba Fett a thing or two, which we saw that in this episode where the Tuscan Raiders are actually training him on how they fight. Um, I also really liked that we saw the Pikes and, and Spice came up. I think that was a really cool connection between, you know, watching the Clone Wars and, and all of the, um, you know, solo and all of that. So I think, uh, I think that part probably was the best part of the, the episode for me. It was probably the main part, right? Um, but yeah, very cool scene. Yeah, and Mike, let's get to the, the deal with the Pikes where basically Boa Fett and the Tusken Raiders capture the train. They crash it and they ca- they capture all the Pikes and Boa Fett basically says, hey, I'm going to, like, this is their sacred land. You can't kill them anymore. If you want to pay through, come through, you have to pay a toll. Like, you're, like, I ain't doing your favor. I'm letting you live and the guys, and you can walk single file in a line towards the sun. You'll go to, you'll get to Anchorhead by the morning. And you say, they say, wait, like, we're going to die of thirst. Like, here, we'll give you black melons that have the uh, the milk, and you will survive on those until you get there. So I would say pretty generous offer in Boa Fett, considering they tried to wipe out the people he's allied with. I think so. Um, you know, very generous of Boba, but, you know, it all goes back to his idea of ruling with respect, right? Which is, you know, I, I think a core, you know, uh, idea of his as he, you know, comes into power. I thought it was kind of funny because he's handing out these black melons when in the last episode, you know, he was trying to get one and, you know, the, you know, it, it was a little harder for him to do that. So I thought, um, you know, that was interesting there. But, you know, just basically kind of showing that the Tuscans have dominance over their ancient land. You know, I think that was great. You know, he, he's respecting them, you know, in, in return for, you know, for all of the, you know, the efforts that they went through to, you know, help him train and, you know, giving him all these, you know, these, these new, um, you know, just like these new opportunities. So, you know, I thought it was a very cool scene. Yeah. Yeah. Nick, I think Mike is a great point here. I sort of, I think like we talk, we joke about how Bo was lying. The truth. Oh, I'm ruling with respect. We have the tracker going for it. We'll get to that in a bit, but I do think it's something interesting where he's picking, we're picking up a lot of like what he learned in his time with the Tuscan Raiders and, how he's carrying that forward into his present day life. And I think that here with the deal with the syndicate, I think is a very good spot to see where that sort of origin points is. Yeah, that's a very good point. He, he's not just saying rule respect. He, I mean, he is, but you, you can see why he's saying it now. You know what I mean? Now that you see what he did in the last five years. Now we're led to believe by the way, that all this is happening during the time of return of the Jedi. Cause you can't imagine he was in that pit longer than a day. Right. Yeah. So this is all happening during the events of Return of the Jedi, which is kind of cool when you think about it. Maybe you'll see a little something like he'd be walking around like, oh, look, that star's gone. Something yeah. like that, you know? But, um, yeah. Um, a big thing that I am excited for in the future, though, is this is the second time now in two weeks that we've had a reference to the Shadow Collective or, or Crimson Dawn more specifically. With the Pikes, 
with the song playing last week, Kiara's got to show up. She has to. Yeah. I think it'd be uh, the thing is the, 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 the problem is that Amelia Clark plays her, and that's like she's not. I, I would imagine not a cheap actress. I think that I would imagine. I think the issue's not the budget with Amelia Clark. P. I think it's just our like. What is she doing? Does she have time to drop by for like a week and do and film some scenes? Well, I have some news for you, Pete. Before you go, before you go, what if it's not Amelia Clark? Well, they recast it. What if it? What no? What if it's not Kiara? Where did Kiara come from? What movie? Solo. What if it's Han Solo? They're not getting Harrison Ford in this show. There's no shot in hell. Okay, yeah, Mike, before you continue, <laughs> there were they filmed this show in London, and when they filmed it, Harrison Ford was spotted in London during the time. It's a possibility. <laughs> Bring back Mole. The, the, the rumors are that Harrison Ford is in the show. Those are like the big rumors. Nick, that's very interesting. And, you know, and to just to add to that, you know, you know, Disney loves the CGI remapping, the, the de-aging. So this is another opportunity for them to bring in, you know, a character that we all love and, you know, do the same magic on him. So but we all know, we'll say anyway, he always said, oh, I hated Star Wars. He hated Star Wars. He did, hated two, of the it, last, right? he did two of the last three sequels or two of the three sequels. Well, to be, so, yeah. well, to be fair, much, to be fair, does he really hate it? To be fair, though, they, they let him die in one of them, which he's been begging for since episode five. So he got to die in one. Then he showed up for like a scene in the second one. I think at the end of the day, he's just not a huge Star Wars guy the way Mark Hamill is. Like Mark Hamill, if you saw him in person, and let's say there was no one around, sure there's not everyone screaming in his face. Like, oh, my God, it's Mark Hamill. But if you were with him, like you saw him alone kind of thing, you talk. I'm sure he would talk Star Wars with you. Harrison Ford would be like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't care. Yeah. But when the money's in front of him, I think he's going to act. Yeah, that's a, that's a fair point. And Pete, like, do you do you buy this possibility that we could see Harrison Ford pop up in here? Listen, I thought Moff Gideon was going to pop up, so I'm saying <laughs> point. I look, I I if he pops up, great. I I don't know how, the way they've structured this show has pissed me off so much, and and we'll get into it a little bit later when we rank when we give the grade of the episode. But I don't know how much time they have to do it. That's the problem. It has nothing to do with would he make the appearance or would Kiara make the appearance? When the hell are you going to do it? That's yeah. where I'm just kind of like waiting, right? So like we have, is it seven episodes or six episodes? Seven. Seven. So we have five episodes left. We've got a collective 20 minutes of current timeline, probably a collective hour of past timeline. So yes, when you look at it that way, there's plenty of time in the past timelines to see a character like Harrison Ford. But uh, excuse me, like Han Solo. But if we're going to do anything with the new timeline, that's got to be coming soon. They can't just keep doing this and only have a collective hour out of seven episodes for the new timeline. I just, I can't see it happening. So if they have the time and they can make it work, absolutely, I could see it happening. Yeah, for sure. And I want to talk clear about what happens afterwards. And then he comes back in. We go to Nick. We see the scene at night in the village where the truck, the chieftain's talking to him about how, like, oh, like, there are different tribes of us on the planet. We each have different values. And then yes, he sends out the spirit quest by sending a lizard up his nose and the lizard just inherits his brain and guides him to some sort of sacred tree where he rips off a branch to make his own gaffy stick. And we get all sorts of visions of Boba's struggles in the past. And that sequence was just bizarre. So question before I get into it um, for you, Mike, I feel like you're going to say yes, because it always seems like whenever something weird happens, this is what you say. Did this come from Avatar: The Last Airbender? 
No, this came from Star Trek, uh, Star Trek 2. Okay. This is so not just... Avatar The Last Airbender. Also, about Han Solo, by the way, real quick, all of the characters that are in this show, Boba Fett, I'm assuming Bosk will be in the show at some point, or at least his species, the Mandalorians in general, the Huts, they all came from the fact that Han Solo exists. All of them would not be in Star Wars if not for Han Solo. But to your question with the bizarre sequence, it was really bizarre. It felt weird for Star Wars. It felt more like, yes, Star Wars, I guess, technically a fantasy, right? But it's not real. I mean, yeah. it's sci-fi, but like fantasy. But it reminded me more of something you'd see in like Game of Thrones or in Lord of the Rings or something more fantasy. Kind of like when, um, kind of reminded me a little bit of the scene in, I think it was in Infinity War. When Thanos saw the little, little girl Gamora, yeah. was that it was Infinity War, right? Yeah, it was Infinity War. It kind of reminded me of that. Like it just didn't fit. Like that scene was still great in Infinity War because it, you know, he obviously regretted it as soon as he did it, kind of thing. But it, it didn't seem like it fit in out of nowhere. Kind of like as I mentioned, how that other scene did, and um, I mean, it kind of ref, it kind of in a way mirrors how the jedi find their kyber crystals like how he found his branch yeah kind of so i guess there's that but it, it did seem like kind of out of nowhere and i and to me it blew my mind when the lizard just jumped in his nose like that was just like oh like wow yeah you know yeah mike I guess, yeah mike i'm sure we i hope you were not eating when you watched that scene i feel like you intended to throw off if you just watched a lizard running running tam morris's nose yeah, I was just very uh, confused about it all. You know, when 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 the the Tuscan brings out you know the little the little vial that opens it up, there's a lizard there. I was like, what? This is a gift, right? And Bubble was saying the same thing. Oh, this is this for me a lizard? It pops right through his nose. It gives him a whole you know a whole vision quest, right? Basically going you know going to this tree, which is where you know the wood is to make the gaffy stick. But I thought it was interesting because it kind of showed that Boba was going through his demons, right? It kind of, you know, kind of went through about that. So, you know, especially when he was, you know, captured by the tree, they kind of reverted back to the scene when he was trapped in uh, the pit of Carcoon. So, you know, I thought that was interesting to see, um, you know, the two similarities there. Um, but, you know, I, I thought it was definitely a cool scene um, just to see, you know, that the whole passage, you know, to, for him to find his gaffy stick. I thought that was... No, very cool scene to see. Yeah, and Pete, I do think it sort of brings us full circle to the end of the episode here. We get to the point where like he comes back with the gaff with the branch. He makes his own gaffy stick. They make him the new ceremonial wardrobe, and then basically he has the I calling it the Tuscan Raider baptism, where like he basically becomes one of them and like the new Boba Fett is born as we narrated in the intro here. So I thought it was a pretty cool like way to end the episode where say, oh, like, here's the new Boba Fett. This is the guy who we've been seeing in the present timeline, who we saw in Mando season two. I thought that was a good sort of way to sort of launch us on that journey and end the episode there. Yeah, uh, two words, Darth Vader. Uh, that's kind of what I thought of when that happened, right? Character reborn. Darth Vader, it's for the worse, you know, for Boba Fett, maybe the better. Um, even just like the dark robes and the way that he just transforms into, you know, he puts a hood on just gave me Darth Vader vibes. Um, again, I'm fine with it. I don't know where they're going with it. Again, they only have, you know, five more episodes to work with. So I'll, it'll be interesting if they speed through this stuff or if they continue on this, this flashback journey. Um, 
But yeah, it's pretty pretty cool. I think a good way to end it gives you a nice little cliffhanger to to what's to come next. Like, okay, he's reborn as a pretty much as a Tuscan Raider. Um, yeah, it, it was a fine scene. Yeah, Nick, when I talked to you this morning, I remember you were complaining about it. I was like, oh, we don't need to find out how Boba Fett got his clothes. That was your big critique when we watched the thing there. And I know that originally I thought like, oh, like you see you going to the Lost Rock saying this is the Jack guy's tattoos, like Stranger Strange Land. But I think I think the symbolism there is a little is a little deeper than Jack's tattoos. It is. I I don't hate it. I don't love it though because of what I think it means for the future. Because I'm sitting here and I know we're gonna get into it a little bit more in our next topic here, which is if they spend too much time in the flashbacks, but we if you wanted to show me a couple little things like how did Boba get his armor back? How did he get out of the pit? How did he know like where to go, like how to find Mando? I get that. If you're showing me how he got his robes and how he got his stick, you're gonna have to show me a couple other things too, which leads me to believe the rest of this show is a lot of it's going to be flashbacks. I wouldn't be surprised if more than half of the show for the rest of the way is flashbacks. You still need to show me how did he get his ship back? We know he has a ship. So he needs to get it back. Where is it? Yeah. Is it just parked somewhere? Is he going to walk up to it? Are we supposed to assume that? Also, he's in Mandalorian season one, I guess, technically, right? He shows up at the end when he picks, he picks yeah. up Fennec. So why is he picking up Fennec? How does he know Fennec? Why Fennec? What, how does he nurse her back to health? What do they talk about before they go meet Mando? You got to show me this stuff, too. Uh, Mike, I fear that a lot of this show is going to be flashback, like a lot, a lot. Mike, I think there's going to be a, definitely a flashback sequence where, where Boa Fett brings her back to the Tuscan camp and nurses her back to health. I feel like that's definitely coming. Yeah, that could that could happen. You know, I, I think, you know, the, I personally think that the flashbacks did cover a good majority, right? It kind of shows the introduction of him getting out of you know, the Sarlacc, you know, showing that whole sequence there, getting kidnapped, you know, and captured by the Tuscans. You know, this episode kind of shows, you know, more of his progression, you know, being accepted into the Tuscan Raider clan. Um, you know, so I think, you know, I think maybe the next episode, I think there could be some despair. You know, we, we've seen a lot of, you know, positive growth. There needs to be something that happens in the next episode that, you know, kind of, you know, shows like a downfall, you know, in, in the whole flashback sequence. But real quick, just wanted to go back to the Gaffey stick. When he brought the, the branch to get it folded and, and uh, formed into the Gaffey stick, that reminded me of Mando with the Beskar, right, yeah. forming his armor. I thought it was, you know, kind of like, you know, very, very similar, you know, kind of ordeal. So, you know, I thought that was interesting there, but, you know, it was cool to see, you know, why he brought a branch back, right? You know, I kind of thought about it, you know, on the way, but I thought that was very, very interesting to see. Yeah, for sure. And Nick, I want to point out also here, like, the episode end itself, I forgot to mention this, it was definitely going to get there, but, like, I think they went a little too far with the, like, Tuscan baptism, where I think if we got in the shot of him getting the wardrobe put out he comes out and that the chieftain not that would be a good way to end it but instead we get that weird scene where he's doing the traditional dance then for about like a minute and a half i'm like like do we need that i completely agree with you i've never agreed with you more in my life and i gotta tell you mike we are in the minority by far everything yeah. i'm reading online says it was the most beautiful scene in the history of star wars i'm like i don't understand i did not need to see boba fett dancing around a fire no, i don't Nick, get it. it we're in the minority yeah. If I could just add it real quick, I know, you know, I, I know Tamor Morrison is Maori, right? Yeah. So I think it kind of, you know, shows a little homage to his culture you know, to kind of, yeah, to his, you know, to his culture, you know, it, it, he's able to, you know, uh, put in a little of his influence into the show. 
And, you know, it, it, definitely, definitely an interesting thing, but it just shows the bond and the unity, right? It adds to the lore of Star Wars, just seeing that all come together. You know, I even thought, you know, when the Tuscans were talking about how different clans, you know, act in certain ways, you know, we have a perceived notion of the Tuscan Raiders being aggressive and ruthless because of what we've seen in the original trilogy, you know, and then in the sequels, you know, the prequels, you know, yeah, the prequels. Um, I just thought that, you know, it was interesting to see a new perspective of the Tuscans, you know, and that not all clans are the same. You know, I originally, I thought that maybe, you know, they could have heard of what happened with Anakin Skywalker, how he came through and, you know, he terrorized, you know, the whole camp after, you know, they kidnapped his mom. And maybe, you know, that word kind of got spread around and, um, you know, and that could have caused, you know, the, the, the Tuscans to maybe be more, um, you know, more uh, lenient and you know, not as harsh. But at the same time, you know, that, that being said, in A New Hope, they never killed Luke. You know, they, they you know, may have, you know, heard him or whatnot. He passed out. They didn't kill him. You know, they, they had him there. They were scrummaging through the speeder. You know, I thought that that was kind of subdued too. So I didn't think really anything that they were being too, too harsh in that scene as well. Barbaric, yes, but in terms of harsh and killing him and trying to, you know, rip him, you know, I didn't think so. All right, and I think that's a good place to end the episode. And we end it in the flashback. We do spend the last two-thirds of the episode in the flashback. And P, I know you have a lot to say on this. I'll start here because I think the flashback stuff is good. The problem I have is we're spending too much time there. I mean, we have, yes, there is so much to do. And I get that there was a movie plan for Boba Fett, which probably would have covered a lot of this stuff that got scuttled because Solo bombed the box office. But do you think we are spending a little too much time here and not enough time in the present time? It's going to carry forward to Mando and beyond. I'm concerned that we're too far into it now that we can't go back from this format. I think that the Book of Boba Fett was not organized in the way it should have been. I personally think Book of Boba Fett season one should have just been from Sarlacc Pit to how we got the throne. That should have been season one. Season two should have been once he has the throne. Now you start dealing with the mayor. Now you start dealing with that. I think they could have been more concise with that story and a lot more entertaining with that story than giving us five, ten minutes of current timeline. And then, okay, let me show you what happened, you know, X amount of years ago. I don't think it's going to work for this season. If this was a movie, right? We've gone through, I think, about an hour and 20 minutes already. If this was a movie and the majority of the movie is a flashback to God knows how far behind the current timeline, I don't think anyone would enjoy this movie. I think people are saying, what are we watching this for? We don't even know what's going on with current day Boba Fett. What does this have to do with anything? Are they just going to, in the last episode or in the last 20 minutes, tie it all together in a rush and say, here you go. That was, that was the movie. Here you go. That was the season. I'm terrified that they have gone too far already because they only have five episodes left and they still have a bunch, like Nick was saying, to explain. Where does Fennec come in? How does he get his ship back? What about everything with the Mandalorian? Is that going to be touched upon? Uh, you know, where are we when it comes to him getting the throne? So there is a, a huge amount of information that we still have left that I feel like even if you try to put it in two more episodes, you can't make a season out of three episodes after, after that. You, you just can't, in my opinion. So again, if they would have just taken the season and said from Sarlacc pit to throne 
and then had season two be the current with the mayor, I think that would have worked so much better than what they're doing right now. Yeah, Nick, Peter's about the movie angle here. Is this sort of with the Black Widow paradox here where we're getting this flashback content that like now we're kind of past point where we get that big image, the big post-credit tease, the end of Mando 2 of him killing Bib Fortuna and taking the throne. And then we're spe- not spending much time with him on the throne. We're spending a lot of time wondering like how he got out of the Starlight bit and how he got to where he is. I think it's sort of like a misdirect. I don't think that it really makes sense. Yeah, I, I agree with Pete that it would have worked nice that way. But let's all be honest, if they did that, season one would be horrible. Yep. Now, I've mentioned this before. We don't. We look at it now and go, oh, it was so good. And only because it was the first live action Star Wars, Mando season one was not that good. It's a little slow. It was. It was really slow. But I think you got to sit through the slow to get to the grade. And that's what we would have to do with Boba too. But maybe... I think we're dealing with a unique situation here. Correct me if I'm wrong. Besides these Disney Plus shows that have been coming out lately, especially with Marvel, have we ever had a TV show about a character that we already know? In in just in, in the ju- world. I mean, like, I'm sure there's some, but you know what I'm saying? There are many. All the time when there's a new show coming out, it's about a new character, a new universe, a new world, sometimes a shared universe, but a new, uh, you know, a new set of characters, a new new stakes. We're getting thrown in with a character that we already know, but it's hard to do that because you have to you have to develop the character. So in their way, they're developing him as everyone thought of him as this badass. They're not to say that he's not, but he's not really about that. He's about ruling with respect. He's about and he's learning things from the Tuscan Raiders, he's teaching them stuff. That's really what it's about. But it just seems odd to us because we know Boba already. Had we not known Boba, it would be very different to us. It would be like, okay, this guy. We just heard he was a ruthless bounty hunter, but was he really ruthless? Dot, dot, dot. And then the show started, like, it would be very different. We know him for, you know, our lifetimes. And before that, people knew him for 10 or so years. So it's it's different because of that. And yes, I think they're spending way too much time on the flashbacks, and I think it's killing the pacing of the show. I enjoy the flashback content. I enjoy the present content a lot more. I enjoy it. I enjoy both of them. I don't like how they're spending two-thirds of an episode in the flashback. Now, I would prefer if they did it the way they did, obviously, Pete's way, but I would prefer it more so than they do now The way they, if they did it the way they did in episode one, how they go flashback, present, flashback, present, kind of like that. Like That's how I mentioned last week how that's how it worked in Arrow. In Arrow, they would find something in the environment. They'd probably just place it in there as a prop, but they'd find like a water bottle. And then they'd zoom in on that water bottle and then they'd zoom out. It would be like a same water bottle, but in the past kind of thing. Like you can zoom in on Boba's eye, I guess, and then zoom out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then make, and then they would teach you a lesson in the past. And that lesson would have to do with what's going on in the present. So Oliver Queen was the, the star of Arrow would learn that it's not always best to kill and it's better to forgive. And then they'd zoom out and they'd show you to the present and they would show you that exact moment and how he, how he used that lesson in the present. That's how I think you can execute flashbacks better. The way they're doing it now is just like, here's 15 minutes of what's going on now. It's really cool. There's huts. There's a really cool Wookiee. He seems awesome. Time for a nap. See you next week. Yeah. Yeah. The back. Just one of the. Yeah, the I'm ba- sorry, Mike. Go ahead. Yeah, so the back to tank seems to be the trigger for the flashbacks. Now, every Boba goes mm-hmm. in the Boba ta- like the back tank has his flashback time. Yeah, I, I, guess start- I guess it's his dreams. Yeah. He did mention he was dreaming. Yeah, those are his dreams. And Mike, you want to yeah. weigh in? Yeah, I, I just wanted to say, you know, you know, that being said, you know, with the back attack, you know, that's that's the key element that, you know, when he when he's put to sleep through that, 
you know, that's when he, you know, goes back on his flashbacks. With this episode, you know, there wasn't enough content, I think, you know, in the present day, you know, in order for him to keep going back and forth from, you know, between the back to tank, you know, to in order to encapsulate the full story that we saw in the flashback. You know, I, I think that's kind of why they did it. I mean, it was already, you know, the episode was what, 52 minutes long, yeah. you know, I mean, it was a longer episode. So, you know, they, I, I think they really wanted to encompass the flashback in this episode, you know, for, for the most. You know, or would you rather part. another scene with the Huts or the mayor or Jennifer Beals or Fennec and Boba? Would you rather Boba Fett driver's ed? <laughs> That's, what that That's what I'm yeah, saying. That's what I'm saying. It seems like they had too much in the past, too many scenes, especially we've talked about this countless times now for the last 13, 14 months on this podcast. Characters by themselves who are the only ones who can talk is bad TV. Yes. Well, hopefully it's done with, you know, hopefully, you know, we get, a, you know, a big portion of the flash, the flashbacks over with, you know, this was a heavy episode. So, you know, I, I would, I would assume that the following episode, you know, they'll still have the flashback, but it's going to, I think it's going to come down to an end. I think, I think we're getting there. Yeah. I'm hopeful. Yeah. I th- I'm going to throw two things out here about this in terms of the flashbacks. And number one, I think, we need at least an answer to this, and the show's not done a good job yet. And Pete, I don't know if you are with me on this. Like, we need to know why exactly Bofet wants to take take over Jawa's territory. We never have gotten a clear, concise definition of why he wants to rule the Tatooine underworld. But that's what I'm saying. There's so many questions that need to be answered because we're seeing so far back in the past. It's not like these flashbacks are a year. It's it, or maybe they are. I don't know. But they, it it makes it seem like it's so long ago that they're not connected at all. This is this is the issue. Nick was talking about how the the show Arrow will actually connect the issues. There's no connection so far. There's none. It's just he's hey. dreaming. I'm sorry, say that again. You say he's dreaming. Yeah, but there's still no connection. It, it doesn't make for good TV. It doesn't make for good anything, honestly. If if I was on this podcast with you and I just started talking about past things that have to do with Star Wars, that have nothing to do with Boba Fett, you'd be like, what the hell are you doing? We're on the show talking about Boba Fett, right? Yes, he's involved, but we have no clue what this has to do with anything. Like Nick said, if it was just a season of this, these flashbacks, it would be a bad season. Let's be honest, maybe more than two-thirds of this season has been flashbacks. So we cannot say that this season has been good so far. And I don't think, you know, let's say they get an hour of new content in seven hours. I don't think a seventh of the season is going to save it and redeem it. That's where I'm getting worried. I, I listen, they did a great job. Mandalorian, even though Mandalorian season one was slow, at least it's brand new characters with a brand new storyline. We're getting through the information of it, but at least I'm learning and saying, okay, Mandalorian has got a bounty. He needs to go do this. And now there's trouble around this bounty and he decides there's character development. He wants to protect the child instead of give him up. I don't think it was a bad season. Some people thought it was slow, completely Fine. valid point. You, you can't look, you cannot open up all these doors and expect to solve it in five episodes without it really lacking in the current timeline, because they're so deep in these flashbacks now. And they're so deep in all of the things that they have left off in Mandalorian. They cannot stray away from flashbacks for the rest of the season. They can't. There's too many questions. And if they do try to stray away from it, 
the flashbacks are going to be rushed. And then we'll be on this podcast saying, well, what the hell was that flashback that was rushed? Now we're just like, oh, we just got the answer and it's cheap. So five episodes left. I could be completely wrong. They can turn this thing around next week. And it's just like, okay, we're back on track. But I just as someone who's watched a bunch of TV shows and and studies character development and, and studied film in school and stuff, it just it it's so hard for them to not do a poor job at either rushing through the flashback or giving us new timeline content. Yeah, Mike, I have a theory I want to throw your way. I don't know you think about this here. I think obviously we they filmed Mando one and two back to back prior to COVID. Boba Fett comes in, they have this huge moment for him, and then we ha- we know they have the script of that movie that was supposed to be made sitting back here. What if this was the whole plan? It's like, we're going to spit the movie out in here. We have some critical development for Mando 3 that we can't really waste time in the Mando season on, so we're going to have Boba Fett do it, and there's not much actual content there, so it's going to use the flashbacks in the movie to pad this out. You think, do you think I'm on something here? Yeah, you could be. You know, I mean, you know, bringing cold in into the picture you know i know it, it thwarted uh you know a lot of tv shows and movies and you know and people had to be creative on how to you know tackle that obstacle so you know th- this could have been you know disney's response you know to COVID, and you know obviously they want to release content and you know they have a lot of great things lined up and uh you know I, it is interesting to see it that way um you know very well could be you know just to just to throw it in and then they have to figure out what they're going to do with Mando, you know, in season three, you know, yeah, seems because, logical. Yeah, because Nick, we have heard that this show, along with Mando and the Ahsoka show, are all connected. And I feel like whatever they're doing that present time has to push the the big story forward here. So I think probably I don't know how much of it there actually is in the present for us to push the ball, the ball forward a little bit. Not yet. Um, it could be as we get further. There could be appearances from other people. I mean, we didn't see the dark saber until the basic. I mean, it wasn't season one the credit scene. It, it basically the post credit scene yeah. of season one. So we before that, it had no connection to other Star Wars material except there's a Yoda looking dude, you know. Yeah. And um, I feel like we're watching two different shows that are both good on their own, but when you put them together, it doesn't really add up. But it, I know it will add up. They're going to use the Pikes. I mean, not the Pikes, the, the Sand People. They're going to be involved in the finale. They're going to help him to, to take over the Huts. I just don't like watching a show when we know what's going to happen. You know, yeah. We know Bullet Fett's not dying. We know he's going to take over from the Huts. The Huts are either going to die or go away. And the Wookiee's either going to join him or die or be defeated and go off on his own. Like We know what's going to happen. And it's different than a prequel. Because in a prequel, you know what's going to happen, but you don't know how it's going to happen. And And like... And that makes it like a better story. Like we knew Anakin was turned to the dark side and we didn't know how or why or who was going to influence him. I mean, we kind of figured it'd be Palpatine, but we weren't sure. We weren't sure. And now we're seeing this where it's like, all right, we know he's not going to die. We know he's going to rule the underworld when it's over. But like, I don't really, it doesn't really matter how he either kills them or they leave. Either way, it's the same difference. Yeah, for sure. And let's kind of move forward here. We're going to go into some of our trackers here as we do every episode. We keep track of a bunch of things. I have one I could propose to add at the end here, but I want to start off first with our character draft, which again, no movement on the character draft. But Mike, since you are new here, I'll get your take here and see how we're doing with this. But our character draft board. So we each drafted characters to figure out, you know, who's going to show up from other shows in Book of Boba Fett. The stakes are here. The winner gets a 
Hondo Onaka Funko Pop, basically paid for by the other two. So you want you want you want to listen to the teams again? <laughs> of course, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm asking Mike. So Nick's, yeah, yeah well, why yeah, would he say no? Yeah, so Nick's uh, why Nick's, not? Yeah, Nick's, <laughs> t- Nick's team is Omega from the Bad Batch, Bo Katan, and Mando himself. So do you think we could see anybody from there show up? Uh, sure, I think it's a possibility. I mean. You know, obviously, you know, when you have the flashbacks, you know, they're leading up to when Boba meets Mando. So I'm sure, you know, they will throw something at us from from Mando. You know, I, I think I think Disney, you know, you have a lot of geniuses there and they know, you know, they know what, you know, what we want. And I think, you know, they'll definitely throw some of those characters away. All right. So that's Nick's team. Pete, well, Mike, to, to clear okay. it up for you, if you didn't know, um, the character needs to appear. Physically. In the in the physical form, no holograms, no mentions, and that's just mm. not to you. That's to anyone in the audience. Also, to my future self. Hello, future self. You know, um, <laughs> um, so you're so you're aware they they can't just be a hollow. They have to actually be, can be a hollow. They can be. Can they be in the background? Yes, right. Yes, they can be in the background. Okay. Yeah, they don't have to physically talk. But like you just like if like let's say for example we see a flashback and he watches Mando walk away with his armor. Like Mando will get credit for Nick for that. Okay, so that's my team. Yeah, so Pete's team here. Moff Gideon from from uh, Mandalorian, Sabine Wren from Rebels, and Hunter from the Bad Batch. So, Mike, thoughts on that team? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know about that as much. I might have to go with Nick's team. I, I think. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, it's, it's honestly fine because as we're watching the the episodes, I'm going, "Wow, I I really picked a crappy team." <laughs> All right. Sorry, my who is my second? Oh, Bo-Katan. Okay. Bo-Katan. Yeah, I want to hit your team. Yeah. All right, and my team, Mike. Here's what I got. I have Hondo himself. I have the bounty hunter Cad Bane, and I have Chopper from Rebels. What do you think about my squad? Well, I hear a lot of people talking about Cad Bane that you know that that could be uh you know an extreme possibility there you know that that they might you know throw you know throw him into the uh, into the mix so you know he might you might be onto something there yes you know? Mike, I, I, think, I, I think Nick has a better yeah go ahead uh, or Phillips I have a question okay. and a comment yes the, the the comment is I think this is going to end in a one nothing victory for you. <laughs> one zero zero with Cad Bane, <laughs> and two. My question is, what if it's zero zero zero? Could we like redraft after episode six, just in case if we're Wait, tied at zero? We will just, we not will, redraft, but like get another person. We will assess at that point, see how we're looking here, because if because again, it's tough because that well, we could also say no action is push it to all we want, and if we do a draft something, then. Okay. All right. And here are the trackers we have going on here for the audience. So. We have been tracking since uh, Clone Wars the appearances of Hondo Onaka. He has 18 appearances, including his appearance at Galaxy's Edge at Disney World. I did update over the last week the appearances of Bo-Katan, the Darksaber, including Mandalorian. Uh, Pete, Bo-Katan, 13, including Mando. So, I mean, I- I'm going to lose anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah. And the dark the Darksaber is also 13. He made three appearances in Mando, Nick. <laughs> I'm sorry, Nick. The trackers, the trackers are doing well, and I, I just, I'm really worried that we're not going to hit anything. I just, yeah. I feel like, just like I just not even a draft. I'm just talking about the trackers. Like I just feel like there's going to be a lot of updates. Yeah. I think you're going to hit your, your 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 list right now. Adds up to quick math. So 26 plus 18 is 44. Plus, you're at 45 total on all these numbers, right? Yeah. 
I would be shocked if this ends up above 50. Yeah. Shocked. I think it's going to end at maybe one Mando character, maybe one animated character, and maybe one more Tom Sangu with respect. Yeah, so the other ones Nick mentioned, no Mando characters yet. That's one we're keeping track of. I'm sure there's going to be at least one. The animated characters, as Nick mentioned, still at zero. I think we're going to end up with somebody there, especially if Cad Bane does show up. And ruling with respect, still at one. And I think whenever we have that table dinner with Boba Fett's there with all the people, I think we're going to have ruling respect mentioned again for sure. Yeah, I'm assuming that'll be the next episode. And I'm assuming that's when my guess when Bosk shows up is next episode. All right. And I have a new track on the ride here. And this is one I think we might get some action on eventually here. Episodes that do not end in a flashback. Because both the first two episodes of far have ended in flashbacks. All right. I, I think we should add in characters who appear from non... Canonical. Like not... And, no, like non... TV or movie canon. Yeah. Meaning, you know, the Black K. And do you include Luke's friends in that? I mean, they were deleted scenes. So I guess they're technically TV, but they're not really canon if they weren't in it, right? I mean... Deleted, if it's the, a deleted scene, it's not canon, right? It's I think deleted. they're in the extended universe. I, I think that one's a little convoluted because I feel like we're going to miss people if we do that. True. True. I think I think the ending in flat. What about the one where you were tracking an episode doesn't end in a flashback? Well, I hope it is ends up. I, yeah, it, I hope we get a couple, but I, <laughs> I hard to say now. <laughs> All right, well, we'll put those out there, and now we're gonna go forward here. We're gonna do some MVPs and LVPs from the episode, as we do in Clone Wars. We did three a season, so. Now is the episode we're going to do each person, all us, including Mike, our guests, are going to have an MVP and LVP of the episode. Where is he at episode one? Fennec Shan's in the lead on the leaderboard at plus two. The Gamorrean guards are plus one. That was my contribution to the board. And then our LVPs, we have a tie between Pete picked Tuscan Raiders. Nick said the mayor. I said the Rodian prisoner who got stirred by the, by the uh, sand creature last week. So I'm going to go to Pete first. Who is your MVP this episode? Oh boy, uh, you know, Boba Fett did pretty well in this episode in the flashback. Uh, I also really like the Tuscan Raider guy that just did absolute work on the train. <laughs> uh, he was pretty cool. You know, I'll I'll give this one to Boba only because this flashback episode at least had a lot of content with him actually getting stuff done and fighting and planning. So I'll give him the MVP of this episode. Nick, who's the MVP of this episode for you? Uh, also, Boba. He kind of was the only character, if you think about it. Two-thirds of the episode is the only person who can speak. And the first third of the episode, no one else did anything. You know what I mean? I, you can, you, I, I would not be shocked if someone here gave it to the Black K because he made such an, such an impact right away. But I'm going with Boba because he was a little bit better at not getting his ass kicked, I guess. All right. And Mike, your MVP of the episode. I'm going to join on the Boba wagon, right? It's, it's Boba. Boba's MVP. You know, he, he was the main guy that we focused on and you get to see his progression. You know, you see him whoop some ass. You know, I, I think, I think he was great. You know, I think he is MVP of this episode. Yeah, I'm going to make it a clean sweep with Boba Fett. Although I will give, like Pete said, I'll give the honorable mention here of our, our Ninja Tuscan Raider who was like 
going just like taking people down the train. That guy deserved an honorable mention, but Boa Fett did well in both timelines. I think he gets the MVP. Now let's go the other way. The LVP. Who was the worst character in this episode? Mike, since you're our guest, I'll let you start first here. Who is your least valuable player over here? Okay, I'm stuck between two. First is the Joy Conductor. I, I can't stand him. I, I just don't like him. You know, it was ridiculous. You know, we have nothing. We, have, we don't know anything about him. And he just darts off. The second character has to be the rat or whoever he is that, that the child's cousin was just using to wipe, wipe his face off. I, yeah. He's got to be the LVP for me. <laughs> Poor guy, you know? <laughs> yeah, so, so you give you to the, the drawer of the rat. You know what? <clears throat> I think I think the rat. Okay, <laughs> that, so, that, that was horrible. I felt so bad for him. All right, so so we're gonna call him Towel Rat in the uh, LVP board. So, uh, Nick, your LVP. So Mike, you have uh, the power to bleep out curse words and edits, right? I can also, yeah. I mean, I can do it right now. Also, I can just. I gotta well, get- you, may have, you may have to be live on that, so I don't know if you'll be ready. But I'm giving it to Jennifer Beale's character because basically we called her bullshit. We we caught her in the act. <laughs> she is full of bleep it again. She is full of it, and yeah. we caught her. And that's why I'm giving it to her. And also, I wanted to bring up that you could go back in the tracker and change it. I thought I was incorrect that the mayor's little uh, guy, his, his um, major domo, the hand of the king, whatever his name is, you know, I thought he was not going to show up again. So I didn't give him the um, L- you give him the LVP, not the mayor. So you want last week? So you want to go back and dock the major domo a point and just take take the mayor? Yeah, off. and and take the mayor off because I thought I thought like he just sent him. He might not see him again. It was just like a one scene thing. But he seems like he's going to be in the show. So it's him. I was really like not happy about. But but Madam Garza, we're on to you. All right, uh, Pete, your LVP. Uh you know, Fennec didn't really do much, but she also wasn't in the episode that much, so I feel like it would be unfair to give her an LVP. But again, I, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I would go with Garza as well. I would go with the secretary at the mayor's office. <laughs> I can go. Hell, I can go the Pikes too. They were just very like, yeah. We, <laughs> when they were trying, like I. What are you talking about, Spice? Never heard of the Spice and Boba Fett's like that thing right there, bud. Like it just it, it was just so bad. I, you know, I'll, I'll stick with with Mam Garza, but the Pikes were a close second for me. It was just very like I don't know. I just I always thought like just seeing them in uh, other things for Star Wars, they were much smarter. They were like more like cutthroat. This was just very like guys huddled up from a train going. I don't know what you're talking about. I've never seen that before in my life. That's that's not mine. You know, like it just it was very weird. So I'm gonna mention for them for me. Didn't the guy, the maybe I'm crazy. I know uh, M- Michael, not Phillips. Michael, you will probably agree with this. Didn't the guy who was working at the desk at the mayor's office look exactly like the guy who plays Dante in the Clerks? <laughs> yeah. Didn't he like give off that. that vibe of him? He kind of does. <laughs> it's just kind of miserable, right? Yeah. <laughs> Like he didn't want to be there, and I'm not even supposed to be here today. It's what he looked exactly. Like. Oh, I love that. It's so great. All right, I'm up now for my LVP. I'm gonna dock the twins because they just show up and they're like, we have a tablet. We rule this thing, and he's like, no, I killed Bib Fortuna. I have this. I'm like, you just show up and get carried around, and you make those poor guys like basically like buckle under the weight of your 2,500 pounds or two and a half tons <laughs> or whatever it is, and 
you add nothing meaningful to the episode. You're just here to sort of be the boogeyman. So I'm docking the twins. They, I am going to hate them over the course of the season. I'm telling you that right now. They are adding nothing to the show. I have a question about Mafia. So I'm assuming that Brescia will be able to answer this. Yeah. What is the line of succession? Is it family? Or if I kill the mob boss, am I the mob boss? Good question, right? I mean, like, I, if they were to die, like we know, like in Game of Thrones, how when characters die, it's supposed to go on to like the son or whoever the next oldest male is, whatever, like that. But like, what if, if the mob boss dies, like Jabba? Is it? Is it? Well, Bib Fortuna took over, I guess. Which I'm still confused about. Why did the Huts wait five years to take their throne back? I guess because Fortuna was a puppet head, but yeah, or figurehead. But. W- are they technically in charge? Is that why it seems like everyone else is thinking they're in charge? You see what I'm getting at? Sure. You know, I, I think so. You know, I, I think I think with the uh, with the mob, it all depends on who's fit to rule. You know, you can have you, know, you can have a son who can be the heir, you know, to the you know to the throne, for, perhaps. But you know, it, it, it changes. You know, it does change hands. It's all under one family, but it could be different. You know, people actually ruling under that family. You know, like you said with Bib Fortuna, you know, he he took over. He was part of you know Jabba's whole thing, right? He was la cosa nostra di di Jabba, I would say, right? But I think, <laughs> but I think you know because of that, you know, the the twins were okay with that. You know, they, I'm sure that they had you know some power there. That the Huts in general had power because Bib was in power. You know, more directive. You know, he was more. You know, he was more hands on from what we saw at least. Right. You know, I, so I, guess, I only ask you because I know that I know your family has ties with the mafia. Oh man. <laughs> but no, but I, you know, it, it's definitely a good point to raise up. Yeah. And people are wondering, that's how Mike got on this podcast is ties with the mafia. <laughs> yeah. He, he, um, he caught something of mine off the back of a truck and he kind of held me hostage. So I kind of forced to ask him to be on. They got me on, right? <laughs> yeah. All right. Last piece of business here. We're going to rate the episode on a scale of 0 to 10. And last week's episode averaged a 6 from the three of us. Mike's going to make a rating, too. So we're going to start out here. P, I know you're sort of the low man here. What's your rating on the episode? I think last week I gave last week's episode a 6. I'm going to go with a 5. And the reason why I'm going down is not because of the action that was in the episode, but as a Book of Boba Fett episode, I just... it. It's, I don't want to say it's confusing. It's just it doesn't make sense, the organization. I just I think having less current timeline is hurting the show more than it's helping. Like I said before, if they were to go and make the first full season, what I would said, Sarlacc pit the throne, it would have been a lot better. I have to just give it a five. Again, entertaining, you know, taking the show, taking the episode for what it's worth and just watching it without an outside opinion or uh, going in with any, um, you know, assumptions. Great episode. It's fun to watch. The train scene's great. Seeing the Pikes was great. Um, seeing Boba Fett, you know, actually kick ass instead of getting his ass kicked was nice. Um, but as a book of Boba Fett season episode, got to go middle of the road five. Yeah, you gave it a five last week. So you have actually on par of what you did last oh. week. So on par. All right. So, Nick, you're great. Last week I gave a seven. This week I'm giving a seven. I believe that this episode was really good. And if you asked me this same question 12 hours ago, I would have told you it was two or a three. And it just kind of grew on me once I learned more about like the, the stuff. I, so let me be honest. I woke up this morning 
and I went on my phone and I'm looking and I was on Reddit and I'm, I'm on the book of Boba Fett subreddit. Like I was, I didn't choose to go to it. It should have been my home feed and it was a spoiler tag. So I didn't open it, but it, the, 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 the caption was someone tell me everything about this character. And in my mind, I'm like, Oh my God, it's Cad Bane. Cad Bane's in the show. I can't wait to watch it. I sprinted downstairs. I was tripping down the steps, everything <laughs> running down the stairs to get there. I turned it on and there's no Cad Bane. And I'm like, what? And then I looked at, after the episode, I look and see who it was. And it was, it was the, it was the black K. And I'm like, okay, all right, I get it. But like, yeah, I hated it at first. I like it now. The reason I'm not giving it an eight, nine, or 10 is because I think they're spending way too much time in flashbacks. And that's the only thing that's bringing it down to me. But I'm excited for what it's going to bring. And I like the show. I'm going to be controversial here. I'm going to go up to an eight on this episode because I really think that they the spending the time in the flashback is a choice. Then that long there and the episode there. I think that is why I can't go higher than eight. But what they did in the flashback was stellar because, like, everything had a purpose. It all worked well. You had some laughs. You had some good, serious moments. You had big Carabelle from Boba Fett. And the stuff in the present, apart from the twin showing up, was pretty good. So I'm giving it an eight. And, Bresh, you want to close out? You give us your rating. Sure. Um, yeah, Mike, I think I'm going to side with you about the eight. You know, yes, the flashback, you know, could have, you know, could have been a little shorter. There wasn't too much going on, you know, with the present, but, you know, what we've seen so far in both the present and the flashback in this episode, I thought was very critical to showing Boba's progression and his ideals, um, you know, his whole, and once again, reverting back to ruling with respect, you know, he, he, you know, he wants to abide by the rules of, you know, being in charge of, of you know, uh, the Hutt clan, you know, being in charge of his, his empire now you know, dealing with the twins, then it reverts back to, you know, the flashback of how, you know, he really worked, you know, his way up to gaining the respect of the Tuscans. And then in doing so, he's able to, you know, help them out with, um, you know, with the Pikes and then showing and demonstrating that he is a respectful person by, you know, allowing them to operate, you know, under the permission of the Tuscans. You know, it definitely was critical to, you know, showing his character. You know, I think I, I definitely think it was a great episode. So, all right. Out of All right. And to recap, that averaged out to a seven. Now is the top episode of the season thus far. Two, two and one is the current rankings here, Nick. Choose. You're saying two, then one, like, is better? That's our, av- our average, based on our average rating. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I can see that. I can see that. I don't have any disagreements with that. All right, let's go ahead now. Let's make a quick call here. I want to start doing this here. Put one thing on record. It's going to happen in chapter three. Pete, what's your prediction here? Flashback. Um, <laughs> I uh, I think in... So I think in three, we're going to get more of that Wookiee character. I think we're going to get more of the, the twins. I think we'll still have a flashback, but I'm hoping that they do more current timeline because now they have a lot more to work with, right? It's not just starting off from scratch. They have a lot to work with. Now they can do a lot of current timeline stuff. I also think that if they do a flashback, we get a flashback where Fennec's involved. Okay. Uh, Nick, your prediction. I want to just ask or say this to you, everybody here that if we're going to do this week over week with the predictions, I think it's a given the flashbacks are part of the show. I think we should do a prediction on what's going to happen with the flashbacks. What's going to happen with the present. 
So I'm going to start that trend in the present. I believe that what's going to happen is he's going to have a, we already know this from the trailer, that there's some sort of meeting with a lot of, you know, it looks like he's asking permission to the different crime families to kill um, the, Huts. Um, the, the twins. Yeah. My prediction is at that meeting, you will see Bosk or he will have some sort of talk with him and whatnot. I think Bosk will be there. And my prediction with the past is that he, um, now that he has his, um, his garments, if you will, and his, his stick and this and that, you're going to have to see, I, I think we're going to see a considerable, considerable time jump in that. And I think that that will mean that it's possibly time for either the ship or Fennec. So since Pete said the Fennec, I'm going to say the ship. Okay, so you're putting time jump in the flashback and we find out where the ship is. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess Pete said um, that it has to do with Fennec. He said Black K in the present and Fennec in the past. All right. I'm going to put out here in general, I'm going to say, and I think we are going to update a tracker next week. I don't know which one. It's not going to be the new one, the ending the flashback one. I think we're going to update a tracker. That's my big call. I don't know. I feel like we're something's going to happen. We're not going to be on zeros and all of these for a while, so... I think we're updating a tracker. And I do think I agree with you on the time jump. I think we are going forward in the flashbacks quite a bit. I think we're going to get something where I think either this week or next week, we're going to get like a character we recognize in the flashbacks. It's not Fennec Shan. Oh, well, I mean, don't, don't leave me in, uh, <laughs> don't leave me in suspense. Who? I mean, at least an example. I think this, I think the flashback is a spot where you could see Cat Bane pop up. I think you have more of a chance of seeing Cad Bane in the present than you do in the flashback. I feel like there's going to be relationships explored in the flashbacks. I think him dealing with Cad Bane is one of them. That would be cool. And Mike, any bold prediction from you? So, you know, I think I'm pretty much in line with what uh, Pete, Nick, and even you were saying. You know, I think, you know, we're going to see more um, development in the present. Right. You're going to see more, you know, uh, a Boba meeting and, and trying to, you know, round a group of people to, you know, to defend, you know, his rule against twins. And yeah, you know, Bosk could definitely show up, especially, you know, um, seeing Black K, right? As, as Nick called him. You know, I like that. You know, I, I know, I know um, the, what, what the, the, the Trishodian, is that the Trendoshan? Uh, Trendoshan, yeah. So I know that. Uh, species and the Wookiees, I don't think they, they get along so well from my understanding. So I think, you know, that will tie in, you know, um, you know, seeing boss, you know, come back into the picture and joining, you know, sides with Boba, you know, I, I think that's going to be great. And nice, you know, nice call back to um, empire. Um, but, you know, like I said, with the flashback, you know, I think, you know, we got a big chunk of that out of the way. You know, I think now, you know, I think it's all going to be downhill from here. You know, we saw, you know, a great progression, you know, with Bulba learning from the Tuscans and, you know, and, you know, learning a lot from them and, you know, joining forces and getting their respect. But something terrible is going to happen in the next episode. And it's going to lead to some kind of, you know, disarray or whatnot. And it's going to, you know, lead to Bulba leaving or, you know, something along those lines. So you're predicting a tragedy at the Tuscan camp. Yeah. Sure. All right. So we have our calls here. I thank you guys for hopping on here. Let's go around the horns of social media. Pete, if you want to follow you, how can I do that? You can follow me on Twitter at PJConsidori29. Um, as I always say, a bunch of hockey stuff, bunch, bunch of uh, Star Wars stuff. So um, definitely give me a follow if you have Twitter. 
Yeah, and Nick, I know you do not give out your handles on Twitter. You are waiting for the proper moment to do that. So who is your follow recommendation of the week? NY Giants. Uh, get ready for a tweet on Monday morning at, um, on, you know, um, what is it, January 10th. That'll time. say we have, re- we have relieved Joe Judge of his clown duties, and he can go back to doing birthday parties. Or go back to coaching Jim in high school, as Craig Hart likes to say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Mike, do you have any social media you want to give out? Um, sure. Yeah. So, uh, you know, my, uh, my Twitter and my Instagram account are both, uh, Breshinator. So B-R-E-S-C-I-A-N-A-T-O-R. And a fun fact, Nick here actually came up with that nickname. I think what seventh or eighth grade or something along those lines. Oh, I think I it was an Italian class. I yeah. Think was, well, yeah, yeah that, that's when I learned that he was in the mafia, which is how which oh, is why he's here today. Here we, here we go. Right. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, you know, I like to, uh, you know, post, you know, some things about Star Wars, whether either whether I'm watching it or if I'm building a, a Lego creation, you know, I actually have an R2-D2 Lego set that I have to build up. So, you know, I'm definitely going to put that up as my story um, as soon as it's built. And, uh, you know, there you go. Yeah. And Brescia, since you were here and you also mentioned the Lego, I was showing these guys before the show. I do have the Boba Fett helmet set built. So Wow. Okay. So here's the thing. So. I have the R2-D2 set I need to build. I still have my Stormtrooper and um, Darth Vader helmets that I have to build, similar to the Boba Fett. And then I also have in my, um, in my uh, entertainment center, I have Big Yoda and I have Grogu. So there you go. I have them watching me at all times. So, you know, it's great. You know, I, I just love adding more and more to the collection. My fiance doesn't think so. You know, she's like, too much Star Wars, but you know what? never be enough star wars absolutely not and i want to thank you for coming on again i really appreciate it absolutely thank you so much for having me i had a great time it was great to talk about star wars with you guys and um you know it was fantastic thanks again no problem you also follow me on twitter at mphillips331 that's m-p-h-i-l-i-p-s-331 you follow us on the sky guys feed again it's the sky guys a star wars podcast on all your favorite podcatchers episode is going to be out about a day after recording you listen to the just and the suffering feed I hope you enjoyed the college basketball week 18 picks podcast that was out already. Otherwise, this episode is going to be out probably closer to the weekend for you guys, but check it out for sure. Leave your feedback and star ratings. That'll make us even better going forward. And I think that's going to be fantastic. Until then, have a good week, everybody. And we will be back next week with chapter three coverage from the book of Boba Fett. Hey!